Welcome to the Beamsville Church of Christ online ministry. This week's message is titled, The New Testament. The scripture reading is Galatians 3, 23-29. Thank you to Amy, John, Ed, Carol, and Don for being involved in the service. Happy birthday to Janet and to Daniel. Good morning, everybody. I want to welcome you here this morning. I want to invite you to come on in and find a seat. Birthdays this week, Alice is turning 90 on Thursday. Um, Our annual general meeting will be on February 25th following the service in the morning. So that is for corporation members to vote on budgety things. Uh, Diane is updating our church directory. Please speak with her if you have some changes to your contact information. Some praise and some prayers. Uh, Nima has safely arrived. Unfortunately, her luggage has not. Um, But I think if you can have one or the other, the person, yes, and the luggage, no, is the best way for that to go. So uh, praise God that she has arrived safely and hopefully her clothes will follow her soon. Um, Paul is recovering from surgery from this week. Uh, He has an infection that has complicated that recovery process, so I'm continuing to pray for him. Guy Stoppard passed away on January 20th after a brief but grueling fight with cancer. Um, So sometimes when it's brief and grueling, that is better than long and grueling. Um, And ongoing prayers for Pam and for care. Uh, We are thrilled to see Joe with us here again today. So uh, that is a very positive thing. Let's open our time in prayer together. God, we thank you for this place that we can come and that we can worship. We thank you for the people who are gathered here, and we pray for those who are not gathered here. God, we thank you for your people gathered all over the world today, and uh, we pray for those who are gathered in places where um, it is not as safe to gather. Uh, We pray for their persecution, and we pray for their physical safety. Um, God, we thank you for this week and all that you are presenting us with this week, um, and may we glorify you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. See, uh, Guy Stoppard's death announced to us this morning, and I had a flashback as soon as I saw his name. Now, I don't know how many of you remember, but a number of years ago at Camp Canoe, a bunch of us got hit by lightning while we were on an island up north. And Guy was the first one. I just remember, I can see him right now. He came flying out of his tent, my arms blown off. And I, all I could see was this. He had it stuck right to his chest. But anyway, we had a, quite a night that night. And I'm not going to explain the whole thing to you, but it, it's there. It's embedded in there very heavily. And Guy was a, both him and I had vowed we'd never go camping on an island again. <laughs> but yeah, we got through it all right. Nobody died. We could have, but God was watching over us. I think out of 15 of us had a, a form of lightning hitting us. I tried to get up to help Guy, but I couldn't. I couldn't stand up because I got the lightning in my back. So we're all trying to help each other, and it was quite, a, quite an evening. Anyways, that's got nothing to do with my table talk, but it just, <laughs> it just was something. I remember Guy and uh, have a big flashback with him. 52 years ago, when we, Gloria and I became Christians, my mother bought us a, a plaque for our, our wall 
that's been hanging there for 52 years that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's what we've tried to do for 52 years. Most successful, some failures, but nonetheless, that's the choice that we made and have tried to live by it. This week, I found an article in the uh, Daily Bread, and I want to just kind of read that to you at this time. It says, Choosing to Follow God. The average person will make 773,618 decisions over a lifetime, claims the Daily Mirror. The British newspaper goes on to assert that we will come to regret 143,262 of them. I have no idea how the paper arrived at these numbers, but it's clear that we face countless decisions throughout our lifetime. The sheer quantity of them might become paralyzing, especially when we consider that all our choices have consequences, some far more momentous than others. It's interesting when you think about that. I don't know who, how they got those numbers, but it's true. We make a lot of decisions, but a whole lot of them are not so hot. After 40 years wandering in the wilderness, the children of Israel stood at the threshold of their new homeland. Later, after entering the land, Joshua, their leader, issued to them a challenging choice. Fear the Lord and serve him with all your faithfulness, he said. Throw away the gods of your, your ancestors worshipped. Joshua told them, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So even today, we have to make a choice. All of us have heard about Jesus. And so the question comes, what are you going to do with him? You going to follow him or reject him? Remember this week again, watching a documentary Bob Dylan was on there, and what he said was, he had one song out, you might remember this one, you have to serve somebody. <laughs> and it's true. We either serve ourselves or we serve God. And so we gather about the table to rethink our situation. Are we serving God or are we serving ourselves? And I often think about a lesson I heard many, many years ago. It said, ere you left your room this morning, did you think to pray? Well, that's important, isn't it? We have to decide every day. It's not a one-time choice. It's every day you decide, am I going to serve Jesus or am I not? And it has consequences. Follow Christ and you have a, an interesting, blessed life. And if you don't, well, you live with the consequences of that other choice. And so as we gathered this morning to partake of the loaf, which is his body, and he gave it to us willingly, said, this is my body. I do this for you. And to take the bread and, and that remembrance. And in the cup, likewise, saying, this is my blood given for you. And we know that blood continues to cleanse us from our sin, our unrighteousness. And so we're blessed if we choose to follow God, follow Jesus. Let's give thanks. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. who makes our life worthwhile. We know that you're with us always. You never leave us. You'll never forsake us. And if we trust in you, you will bless us every day of our lives until we come home to be with you. We ask, Father, that you'll bless the church. Help us to be people who go forth and proclaim your message to people and make disciples of all nations and baptizing them in the name of Jesus. And, Father, we pray that you'll help us to continue to teach each other throughout our lifetime. We thank you now for the cup and the 
and the loaf at this time, and that you will bless each one of us as we partake. In Jesus' name, amen. to sing a song, Ancient Words. And really what this song is about is about the scriptures. When you hear the word ancient, oh, that's something in the past. It's not really that important to pay attention to. But these words are, as the song suggests, these ancient words, they're words of hope. They give us strength, help us cope. And they help us to live our lives. And when we consider the constitutions of many countries, some of the foundation of those constitutions are the word of God. Our banking system is based upon trust. When I go online and look at my account, I see a number. I assume I trust the fact that that number is there and it means something and that I can use it. So our culture, to a great extent, is based upon the word of God, whether we believe it or not, hopefully we do. I'd invite you to stand as we sing this. Uh, Good morning, Beansville Church of Christ. Uh, Today we'll be having our reading from Galatians chapter 3, verse 23 to 29. If you have your Bible, you can join to read with me. And it says, chapter, uh, verse 23, Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who, are, who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you all are one in Jesus Christ. If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. May the Lord bless his words in our hearts. Good morning, everyone. So I've been preaching now for, I think, 46 years or something like that. And I've never preached this sermon. This is brand new. What I want to do is preach the entire New Testament today. 
how can you do that? Well, I can preach the entire New Testament today, but we'd be here for a long, long time. So what I want to do is just select, and anyone can do this, out of the 27 books in the New Testament, I'm just going to choose one scripture from each of these books. Now, if you wanted to do this yourself, we could do it many, many different times. But to me, I think it's, it's rather unique. So I'll just make a comment or two, or, or maybe even not, as we go through the 27 books of the New Testament. The first one, of course, is the book of Matthew. Not the first book that was actually written. The first New Testament book was actually the book of Galatians. But when the compilers put the Bible together, they wanted to have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, all put together at once. So in Matthew, there's this massive genealogy, and it's the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And so here's what I have. Here's the words of Jesus. I will build my church, and the gates of death will never overcome it. One of the things that we can be absolutely assured of is the church will never be destroyed because the church lives in here. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We are the church. We don't just come to church. We are the church. And then in Mark, and we just preached on this recently, it's called the Messianic Secret. And it says this, Who are my mother? Jesus said. Who are my mother? And who are my brothers? Jesus looked at those seated and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. You see, all of us are brothers and sisters in Christ. So even though Jesus said this 2,000 years ago, it applies to us today. Who are my brothers and sisters? All of us are here. We're brothers. We're sisters of Jesus. Jesus, who is Lord, Savior, God. And then in Luke, I chose this. In our Bible classes on Sunday morning, the adult Bible classes, we've been going through the book of Luke. Luke was a physician. He was a doctor, as well as someone who knew the Lord very, very well. And in Luke 9, talks about helping people to strengthen their faith. And it's interesting how we can just gather together and just share ideas. And what does the scripture mean to you? Well, Luke says, Jesus asked his disciples. So there were people there. Who do the crowds say that I am? Which is a good question. And they replied to John the Baptist, others say that you are Elijah, and others say that you're one of the prophets. And then Jesus asked the question that I think he asks today. But what about you? Who do you say I am? See, that's a question that was asked 2,000 years ago, it's relevant to today. Jesus 
asking us, who do you say, Don? Who do you say? Who do you say I am? A good question for all of us. And I don't know if there was a pause. I think there was a pause. Peter responded, you are the Christ, meaning you are the Savior, you are the Lord, you are God. And that's true even to this day. Well, in John, there's so many scriptures that we could use for John. Probably it's the most quoted scripture in all of the Bible, helping people to believe that Jesus is Messiah, Lord, and God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, help me, but have, say it out loud, eternal life, everlasting life. Death is not the end. It's never been the end. It's never been the end. God knew us before we were born. God knows us now. And when it's our turn, God will bring us to himself. We are always in the Lord. So John 3.16 is, is powerful. He so loved the world, not just people, but the whole world himself. And then in Acts chapter 2, one of the most unique scriptures, I think, in all the Bible. When Christianity first started, it was very much a Jewish church. But then the Gentiles all became part of it, Jew and Gentile alike. The gospel is for all. In Acts chapter 2, it says this. In these last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on your servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. Prophesying is declaring the word of the Lord. When we are reading the scriptures and interpreting the scriptures, it's prophecy. It's understanding who Jesus is. And so throughout all the New Testament, there is this unity of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and everyone being welcome to be part of it. 2,000 years later, nothing has changed. We're to be part of all of this. And then in Romans, probably one of the greatest New Testament books really talking about the power and the strength of the gospel, says this. And if the Holy Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, is living in you, then he, God, who raised Jesus from the dead, listen, will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Holy Spirit who lives in you. You, one of the great promises of all time. Death is not the end. I will give life to your mortal bodies. And won't that be wonderful? Seeing our loved ones again. Seeing that baby that passed too early. Seeing that lovely mom or dad or brother, or sister, or friend, that we'll see them again. It's a powerful meaning of Scripture in the New Testament, in all the world. 
So we need to continue in growing in our faith in 1 Corinthians, continue that. Paul said, my message, always talking about Jesus, and my preaching, always talking about Jesus, were not with wise or persuasive words, but it's a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power so that your faith may not rest on your wisdom, but on God's power. I'm so grateful for people who know the Bible so, so well and can give us deep insight into it. It's powerful, it's great, it's wonderful, it's great to learn all those things, but what's most important is our relationship and our love for God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit because it comes right back to us. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, I think it's important. Don't let anyone throw you off the path of faith. I mean, let's face it, there are times in our life when we're not as close to Jesus as we would like to be. But don't let, don't let that linger. Don't let people come along and try to put you into some kind of spiritual confusion. Because here's what Paul says. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Now listen to what he says. Strive for full restoration. Well, what does that mean? If we have backed off from our faith, get back on it. Restore it. Keep growing. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Strive to encourage one another. Be one of mine. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. That's a promise. God's people send their greetings and may the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Strive for full restoration. Live in peace as God gives us his peace. Isn't it remarkable how much God is just constantly pouring out into our lives? I mean, I think at least once a day, we should be thinking about, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you for allowing me to be alive. Thank you that I can have this relationship with you and that you have already knew us before we were born, and yet here we are, always trying to be encouraged by others. And then the first New Testament book that was actually written is the book of Galatians. It was a Jew-Gentile culture trying to come together as one. <laughs> How do you get Jew and Gentile cultures that are so opposed to one another to even come close to one another, and yet that was the insight? Coming together as one. So here's what Paul says in Galatians. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ, you have been clothed with Christ. And then he says, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. Someone says, well, wait a minute. 
I, I am Jewish, or I am Gentile. What, what do you mean there's no? Well, he says this. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Ethnicity does not matter. Everyone coming together in Christ. And someday we'll be part of all of that. The book of Ephesians talks about God's eternal purpose and the wonderful grace of God. And then he calls it a mystery. This is Ephesians 3.6. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Jesus Christ. We are unified. We are together with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And then Philippians chapter 1. Standing firm in our faith. And let's face it, I think there are times when we're not as strongly dedicated to Jesus as we should be. Standing firm in our faith. Here's what he says. I thank God every time I remember you. So preaching for a while now, I think of people in the past standing firm in their faith. Many of you will not even understand this name, but others will. They were pioneer prophets. They were great preachers who stood behind the pulpit, and people loved to hear them. A person like C.G. McPhee, standing up behind that pulpit, his voice just resonated, but it wasn't about him. It was all about his message. Some of you remember him. And there are people all over the world who help us to continue in Christ. It's God's eternal purpose. This mystery is that through the gospel, Gentiles and heirs together, sharers of the gospel, and I thank God every time I remember you in all my prayers. For I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident that he will carry it out to completion the day of Jesus Christ. The promise for each of us is the promise that he will fulfill his promises. And so in Colossians 3, Christ is the image of God. If we see Christ, we see God. If we see the Holy Spirit, we see God. If we see God, we see Christ and the Holy Spirit. Colossians 3, since then you've been raised with Christ. God already sees us as being raised. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ. That's the place to be. In God, when Christ, listen, when Christ, who is your life? When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also 
will appear with Christ in glory. It's a promise. And God never messes up on his promises. The glory that he has already given us. And then in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, it's encouraging new Christians. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you and me into the kingdom and glory. He's calling us into this glory, into this kingdom that we are part of and that one day we will be completely understanding it. And then 2 Thessalonians, he says, don't give up. Don't give up. Be steadfast. Be steadfast in your faith. But you ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by God, because, listen, he chose you. Who knew we were in the Bible? He chose you as brothers and sisters, first fruits, to be saved through the sanctifying work of God's Holy Spirit because of belief in the truth. He called each one of us through the gospel that we might share in the glory of the Lord Jesus. It's not just a wish. It's not just a statement. It is a reality that we're part of. And then Timothy, who was a young man, he was being taught by Paul, a young minister who could evangelize wonderfully, said this, and maybe you've had the experience before. Don't look down on you. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Age doesn't necessarily play any factor into the relationship that we have with Jesus. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But even if you are young, set an example for all the believers. How? In speech, in the way you live, in conduct, in love, and in faith, and in purity. That's all part of what Jesus wants us to do. So as we go through the New Testament, guarding and protecting the gospel, 2 Timothy, you then be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, in the things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, Paul says, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. If you have any faith in Christ Jesus and you have a conversation with someone, don't be afraid to tell them. Don't be afraid to say, here's what I believe. Here's, here's my God. Here's my Jesus. Here's my Holy Spirit. That's, that's all for everyone. It's a relationship that we have and the invitation for others to understand that and be part of it as well. And so in the book of Titus, it's helping all of us to grow. 
in our faith, which is not always easy, but God gives us grace and goodness. He says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, but to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, while we wait for the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us from all unwickedness. And purify for yourself being a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. It's almost like every morning we get this message from God. Go out and remember me. Go out and remember Jesus. Go out and remember the Holy Spirit. Remember, I will always be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you always. So there's this very interesting book in the New Testament. It's called Philemon. It talks about growing in love. It's Philemon verses 4 through 7. Someone says, well, Don, what chapter? Nope, no chapter. Just verses 4 through 7. Very, very brief book, but powerful. That's what he says. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his people and your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, this is so cool, I pray that our partnership with us in the faith will be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing that we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, my brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Christian encouragers are so wonderful and we have so many of those encouragers here today. And then Hebrews, which is a unique book, talks about the absolute supremacy of Jesus Christ. He says this, in the past days, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the entire universe. The son, Jesus Christ, is the exact representation of God's being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he provided purification for sins, death, burial, and resurrection, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of heaven. One day, we'll be part of that and see that. And then James, demonstrating faith throughout your life. It's not always easy, right? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And then it says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. 
if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Ask him. Ask him. He promises he will give an answer. First Peter, suffering, and yet there's glory. Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and his great mercy has given us new birth into this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into that inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance, it's just too good. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. It's kept. There it is. Your name is right there. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith, shielded by God's power, until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Your name is there. Second Peter, avoid false teachers. Avoid arguments of that kind. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. They didn't just make it up. For prophecy never had its origin in human will, but the prophets spoke for God as they were carried along by God's Holy Spirit. And they were almost finished. In 1 John 1, 5 through 7, Avoid controversy, avoid false teaching. We don't have to be part of any of that. This is the message that we've heard from him, and we declare it to you. Pretty simple. God is light. In him there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not do the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, what? Purifies us from just about all our sins? No. All our sins. All our sins. And then 2 John, continuing to teach Christ, and do it without fear. It's given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, talking about a church, I'm not writing to you a new command, but one that we've already heard from the beginning. It's this. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands as you have heard from the beginning. His command is that you walk in love. Third John doesn't even have a chapter. Dear friend, I pray that you may be enjoy your good health and that everything will go well with you even as your soul is getting along. Gave me great joy to have some believers come and testify to your faithfulness of the truth, telling how you continue to walk in the light. I have no greater joy 
to hear that my children are walking in the truth. To me, this reminds me of people that we knew and loved years and years ago. They were faithful, strong Christians. We haven't seen them for years and years, and all of a sudden they appear, and we have a discussion. How's your faith? How's your love? Sometimes the answers would be, fantastic. Sometimes I need help. So we help. We want to encourage as Jesus encourages us. Then almost finished, the book of Jude, not Judas, different people. Jude, maintain your faith, but also maintain unity in the faith. But you, dear friends, remember that the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold you this, that in the last times there will be scoffers, who will follow their own godly desires. These are people who don't want to divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have God's spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love and bring to Christ eternal life as he brings it to us. And then lastly, it's just too good. Revelation 21. It's going to happen. I saw the holy city coming down out of heaven from God. And then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. It's not us going up. It's heaven coming down to us. I heard that voice. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he, God, is going to dwell with us. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. You'll have a lot of conversations with God. And here's what will happen. Last words. Here's what God has promised. God doesn't break promises. Here's what God's going to do. He's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. And there's going to be no more death. There's going to be no mourning or crying or pain. Not going to have it anymore. For the old order of things has passed away. And then he says these words. God who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Amen. I'm sure that some of you in this audience remember um, Becky and Tim. They'd served at the school for several years in the early 80s. 
Well, Becky's been battling cancer lately, and some of us that are aware of that have been praying for her. Becky's father, Stephen, was a missionary to the to the Slavic nations of Europe, and he took a poem, a Ukrainian poem called Anon, A-N-O-N, and translated it into English. And Jack took Ukrainian folk melody and created the song while on the sea. The sea is a metaphor and the roaring of the sea. If you've ever been in a boat and there were big waves, I have been in a couple of situations, it can be terrifying. But this song takes this experience as a metaphor for our lives that sometimes things are difficult. Things don't work out. There are problems. There's conflict. But the song also identifies that the Lord is a Lord of mercy. And that in the final analysis, that mercy conquers our fear of the difficult. So this song is an important song for me. I love this song because I knew the person who translated it and I knew her, his family. And the words and the melody are powerful. So as we, we consider what Donna shared with us today from uh, a dance through the New Testament, dropping down an important Hopefully there's some things there that you heard this morning that you can take away with you and somehow that can help you with your life to face struggles. A couple of things before we close in prayer. Um, Brian and Mary are here. And Mary, we prayed for for so long to heal well enough to be standing in our presence. So that is an amazing testament to God's faithfulness. Um, the other thing I want to mention is two-thirds of the people in this room are writing exams over the next two days. Um, those of you who are blessed enough to be done with that stage of your life, I strongly encourage you to greet a person and say, how can I pray for you this week? And uh, those of you who are writing in the next two days, I strongly encourage you to say back, how can I pray for you this week so that you remember that the world is bigger than just exams. We are going to close with a prayer from Psalm 73. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens of common man. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. For their callous heart, from their callous heart comes iniquity. The evil conceits of their mind know no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Comparison is the thief of joy. Jumping down to verse 21. When my heart was grieved and my spirit was embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And the earth has nothing I desire besides you. 
My flesh and my heart may fail, they will. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Amen. Thanks for watching or listening. The Beamsville Church of Christ meets at 4900 John Street, Beamsville, Ontario. Scripture quotations marked NIV, taken from the Holy Bible, New International Version, NIV. Copyright 2011 by Biblica Inc. Used by permission, all rights reserved worldwide. You can learn more about the congregation on our Facebook page or at beamsvillechurchofchrist.ca.